Good morning, church. Can we give God another shout of praise? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So I am just so, I'm so glad to be back with church family. Um, did y'all miss us at all? Just a little bit? All right. Uh, I'm so glad that we got to take time. I'm just thankful for our leaders and our serve team and just the support of the parishioners, just the congregation, uh, sowing and, and uh, just sowing into us and, and blessing the family, giving their time, their lives. And, and how about that mission trip, though? Come on, somebody. Where's all the mission team that went down to Guatemala? Raise up your hand if you're in the house. Did you have a blast or what? Come on. God is so good. Are you thankful for what the Lord is doing? All right. Are y'all still alive? I don't go to sleep on me. It ain't over. Come on, somebody. I'm about to preach. So we've been doing this series. Well, y'all have been doing this series, The Church Is, and I am privileged to be able to share uh, The Church Is Victorious. And I have some things burning in my heart. Um, uh, each service that so far, the first and the second, have been a little bit different. And I'm kind of feeling a, a little different direction today. And I want to talk about some things that I know will really bless you and, uh, and encourage you. I think sometimes we have, like, uh, our paradigm is structured based upon how we define things, how we've been taught things. How many know what a paradigm is? It's a structure in which a belief system is contained. And, and how many know sometimes in order for us to receive uh, the revelation or the truth of something, the power of truth, we need a, a bigger paradigm or a different paradigm. Amen? Have you ever been there in your walk with God? Like, I, listen, I, I wasn't raised in the church, but I got saved when I was 17, and, and I have had to unlearn a lot of things. And, and so I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, the way we think and in relation to how we can walk in a victorious life. And, and there's something about... Uh, discovering that renewing your mind or being renewed in the spirit of your mind, Ephesians chapter 4 talks about this, that we are to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. It isn't just thinking certain thoughts or thinking thoughts like different thoughts. It's actually a new way of thinking. Um, and actually, let me just encourage you, God wants you to think for yourself because you're made in his image. You know, for a long time, now I believe that we glean from the historical church. That's why we teach church history in our school. But um, it, it helps us understand the scripture, right? In light of who Jesus is. Uh, by the way, the scripture uh, reveals to us who Jesus is. But in the light of who Jesus is, we understand who he is from the scripture. In other words, we don't read, uh, we don't look at Jesus just in light of the scripture. We actually look at the scripture in light of Jesus, it's called reading your Bible with the light on. Come on, somebody. Because Jesus is perfect. When we see Jesus, we see who the Father is. When we look at Jesus, he, this is what Hebrews 1.3 says. He is the invisible, the exact representation of his being. He is the invisible, uh, the, the image, the perfect image of the invisible God. And so the God that we don't see, we see in Jesus. God the Son, God is revealed. Jesus says, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And... Uh, and so I want to I wanna talk to you a little bit about the way we think, because God not only wants you to think a way, he wants to give you a framework in which to think, but he also wants you to think for yourself, like you can have your own opinion. Amen. You can have your own political opinion. You mean I don't have to be Republican or Democrat? Nope, you don't. Hallelujah. No, you should be a kingdom citizen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
And so you can think for yourself. You can have an opinion. You can actually, your mind can be renewed alive. It's like the spirit, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. See, what gives you the ability to think is your spirit. And what gives life to your spirit is the very spark of life that God breathed into you. And so your ability to think is not, is not just so you can think certain thoughts, but it's so you can think a certain way. And one of the things that cripples Christians uh, in, our, in our lives, in our walks with God, is a victim mentality. And, and we have to understand that although we have been, maybe we've gone through circumstances, pain, betrayal, especially in the realm of church hurt, Church hurt is a real thing. Can I just tell you? I'm a pastor. It's a real thing. I've been hurt too. Sheep bite. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you know, we, we always want to see it one-sided. And, and I, I pray that as pastors and leaders, we see uh, those that have been domineered by unhealthy, toxic leadership. Um, those that, and, and I pray that we see and we come under and we wash their feet and we love them and we show them the love of Jesus. Servant leadership is, is what Jesus showed us. So like the greater the authority in the kingdom of God means the, the lower you go to wash feet. It's the opposite. Like we don't domineer and like oh, I'm in charge, you know. Well, did you run that by the pastor yet? Like that's just garbage, man. That's just, that's toxic leadership. But at the same time, there is, there is church hurt, like we're people, we're imperfect people. And so what happens is, is we will think, well, because I've been hurt by the church and we think anything that happens to us is the church hurting us, but actually it's possible that we're still thinking like a victim. And so our framework paralyzes us and limits us. And we actually betray ourselves because we're made in the image of God, made to rise up and overcome and walk in victory. And so we remain victims instead of become victors. And when we are in him and we allow him to heal us and him to set us free, and sometimes if we're being victimized, get out of the situation. Come on, somebody. Like, get up, get out, rise up, right? Like, get, get away. And, and that's okay. Like, we, it's, it's important that we learn to set boundaries. We got to take a stand in our life. Something about the victorious Christian life and knowing that we are made in the image of God is knowing that sometimes we just put our foot down and say, nope, that ain't going to happen. Amen. Amen. We need more of that in the church. We need more of that in Christianity. We, we, we're raising up some, you know, real softies in the church today, man. We, like, we're afraid to make decisions on our own. Well, I got to pray about that. Like, yeah, it's good you pray about stuff, but some things God has given you responsibility, and, and it's, it's your choice, so choose to do it. See, we victimize by over-spiritualizing things sometimes. Well, the Lord told me, and then it doesn't work out, and then that's our exit strategy. We over-spiritualize it because we don't really want to own it. Now, listen, I've seen this time and time again. Let me give you an example, okay? It's nobody in this room, so I can say it. They might be watching online. Bless you. No, I'm just playing. There's this couple a long time ago. They're not watching online, and they won't, they won't even know. They won't even know that I'm talking about them, so, and I'm not going to mention their name, so it's okay. Praise God. I feel fine about it, all right? So you should, too. So... Uh, I have peace. Praise God. I prayed about it. <laughs> My wife and I, we do like, you know, marriage counseling and stuff. And usually it's like, hey, you know, do y'all love each other? You know, <laughs> is it hard to be alone? Come on, somebody. No, I'm just like, <laughs> so uh, we're sitting with this couple and they're like, yeah, we had a vision, an encounter. And the Lord said, we're supposed to be married. I'm like, that's awesome. Praise God. But are you in love? <laughs> It's a good question, right? 
We over-spiritualize things like, well, the only connection we really have is in the spirit. Well, that's just dualistic nonsense. God created, one of the gifts that God gives a marriage couple is intimacy. Come on, somebody. First Corinthians chapter 7. Do not deprive one another. That's my song, baby. Come on. Sometimes I sing it when the kids are gone. School started. It's quiet in the house, but I'm be like, do not deprive one another. Rochelle, you hear that? That's the word of the Lord. First Corinthians chapter 7. Read it. Glory to God. Receive the truth that the Lord is speaking to you right now. Yes, Lord. I start preaching. Glory to God. So we'll ask this, we're, we're sitting with this couple, you remember this, right? We're sitting, and we're like, and we're trying to like get down, like, do you, are you attracted to one another? Because that's actually kind of important too. See, sometimes we want to over-spiritualize things, we don't realize it, but in the back of our minds and our hearts, we, we don't want to be responsible for the decisions that we make. And so in God, being made in his image, as, as humans, whether we're Christians or not, we're made in the image of God. And we're called to rise up and to own what he's given us. Jesus said, to him who has, more will be given. I used to read that scripture and I'm like, what the heck does that mean? People that have, they're going to get more? That ain't fair, you know? You know what Jesus is saying, though? He's saying, to the one that is responsible for what they've been given, it will increase. When you own what you have, and that takes, that takes like, you know, uh, it takes strength, that takes energy, like you got to do something, amen? And so this idea that we can, we can get past circumstances, but then remain thinking like we're still being victimized, it's toxic. And it's, it's building on a framework, it would be like trying to build a house and having no knowledge of carpentry or engineering, and then trying to put weight on that framework, what would happen? it just collapse, Right? And so there's a framework that God gives us as believers, and that framework is the ability not only to think for ourselves, but, but the ability that says we have the mind of Christ. Notice it says we, not I. That's a good word right there. Well, I have the mind of Christ. No, we have the mind of Christ. You can't think just like Jesus all by yourself. We need each other. We see things differently for a reason. And, you know, the, the victim mentality will not only paralyze us, it'll keep us from true community because everyone's out to get us. And it's always everyone's fault when something, ha something happens to us. You know, you, you see this in leadership, domineering leadership. Usually it's because they're, they're, they've been hurt, they're fearful, and they're insecure. And they're the victim. And that's toxic. And so the Lord wants us to walk in victory. And sometimes we, we have to awaken the reality that we just don't think the right way. And God wants to change the way we think, not just what we think. I cannot emphasize that more. Like, I need to keep just saying it because it's not just about what you think. Well, I have to think holy thoughts, right? Come on, somebody. <laughs> Did anyone think any unholy thoughts this week? No? <laughs> Do we need to open the altars back up? It's not just about what you think. Of course it is. It's part of it, you know? Like, but it's how you think, and how you think determines what you think. I want to just go to a verse. I didn't plan on reading this. I'm just going to, it's the last service. I'm just going to flow. I might teach. I might preach a little. We'll just see what happens. All right? Y'all with me? Okay, come on. Jump on the train. Come on. Get on. The train's moving. Come on, somebody. 
I want to read uh, Romans real quick to you. This, this scripture, many times we read it backwards. Romans chapter 8. I've taught on this in the school before. And um, there's this verse somewhere in chapter 8. Let me just try to find it right now. Praise God. Look at your neighbor and say, pray for my pastor. Okay, so verse 5 of Romans 8. This is so interesting. It says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. We read that as, if I set my mind on the things of the Spirit, then I can walk in the Spirit. That's not what it says. It says, if you walk according to the Spirit, your mind is going to be set on the things of the Spirit. Read it again. You see, we read the scripture with a Western lens. A Western lens is a very, it's Greek thought. It's, you know, we, we dissect things and, and we like to separate the spirit and the natural realm. Come on, we've taught all this stuff like many times in our school. It's really important that we get this though. This is why it's important to understand that we don't over-spiritualize things. Like if you're, if you're uh, planning on getting married and you have no chemistry with the person you're going to marry, I would raise up a big red flag. Because when your prayer time don't get you through marriage difficulties, come on somebody, and your soulmate don't, Netflix and chill might, come on. Now don't get all religious on me, guys. I'm telling you, sometimes, let me just throw this at you real quick. Sometimes a spiritual problem can be solved by a natural solution. Well, I have a spirit of poverty, so I just need to pray it off. No, you need to get a job. Hello? Like, that'll, that'll help, right? <laughs> well, I'm hungry, so I just need to pray for provision. No, go make yourself a sandwich. Come on, somebody. And so we, we, we separate these things. But look, look what the scripture says. If you live according to the flesh, you have their mind set on the things what the flesh desires. I, I think we have to be careful. Now, if you, you can study this verse out. And I encourage you, study the, the actual context of Romans 8. Uh, you know, you got to kind of read Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8 all together. Um, we actually teach it in our school, and we talk about identity. And we go through verse by verse, all of them, uh, all those chapters. But, it, but it's amazing to me how everything can shift when we just think the way God created us to think. You know, don't be so quick to put the blame on everybody else, including God and the devil. Well, the devil made me do it. The enemy is so far from you because you don't do nothing. Like, there's, listen, I'm talking to myself, bro. There's times I'm like, I'm under attack. God's like, you're not under attack, bro. You really aren't doing much right now. <laughs> now, that's the way the Lord talks to me. So, you know, he might talk to you differently. And in King James, you know, thou has repented just enough for me. And, you know, but I, I want you to know that sometimes our victimization comes because we believe God is exhaustively and meticulously controlling everything. Therefore, we don't partner with him and cooperate with heaven and really do anything, but everything's spiritual. And I got to pray what the Lord wants me to wear today. Should I wear the pink socks or should I wear the green ones? Well, what matches? Because that's nice. What's in fashion? That's cool too, right? Praise God. Well, Jesus says he doesn't care. We shouldn't care about what we wear. No, that's not in the original. No, I'm just playing <laughs> 
We have to understand God wants us to be renewed in the spirit of our mind that we don't have to think like a victim. We don't have to think like what is our, listen, what has happened to us in the past does not determine how we respond to things in the future. It doesn't have to. And it, and it really doesn't have to when we learn to think in the framework in which we should, which is that we are victorious in him. And that we're sons and daughters. See, I used to think certain things I don't think anymore. I used to think that when my, like early on in my marriage, when, you know, we'd have like maybe one fight a year. You know, you can tell I'm lying, right? Okay, just making sure. Early on in the marriage, you know, newlyweds, bro, come on. Lots of love and lots of feistiness. I used to think, I used to think, well, if my wife changes, my marriage will be better. No, I used to think that, seriously, believe it or not. I was really wrong about that. I don't think that anymore. I realized that if I just set my heart on my bride and I love her, I don't fight with her, I fight for her. Fight the love fight. First Corinthians chapter 7. Y'all are thinking, man, what did you guys, what you been doing on this vacation? (laughs) Hey, man, I'm just trying to minister to you guys, okay? Come on, somebody. I, I want you to catch this. Like, I don't think that way anymore. And you, here's why. And listen, this victim mindset, it's, it's really sneaky, guys. Like, we don't realize how often we fall back into the snare of the enemy. And, and, and we will think a certain way. And then we start pointing the finger at everyone else. I used to think like, well, man, I just, I have an issue with relationships with people, with leadership. And nobody loves me. And no one sees, you know, God's hand or anointing on my life. And God's like, um, son, can I talk to you for a minute? You know? And I'm like, okay, yes, Lord. Yes, God, yes. He's like, you're the common denominator, not them. Hello? Now, I can admit that right now. Like, that, Right? And we're defensive about things and we, you know, we, we put walls up and that, that's the victim mentality. That's not God's will for us. And we can never walk in victory if we think like a victim. Come on, somebody. A victim mindset empowers limitation. How many want to be limited? I don't think anybody does in the room, right? It's actually self, you're betraying yourself when you think like a victim, I want to read something I wrote a couple years ago. It's not uncommon for people to open themselves up to living in a delusion. It's very subtle and comes through a certain way of thinking. It's the delusion that is simply due to having a victim mindset. It's ironic that the focus is always about everyone else doing wrong, while at the same time, the victim sees everything revolving around themselves. The devil's trying to get my mic right now. Jesus. Being entrenched in narcissism, always projecting, but never taking responsibility or seeing their actions as the common denominator. Are you hearing this? The victim thinks anything bad in their life is everyone else's fault. That usually includes the devil. They also seem to think that everyone is talking about them behind their backs. Maturity, living responsibly, and having healthy relationships is nearly impossible unless someone gets free from this mentality. Can you say amen? Amen. God has not created us to think that way. He's created us to be victorious and to own what's ours. And to walk in this, and let me just touch on this for a minute, because I talked about this first service, not much second. But do you know that, that as a new covenant believer, you are now the ark? You know the presence of God 
lives inside of you, right? That's a reality. And, and you know one of the most powerful demonstrations or manifestations of God is radical forgiveness. So the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament, uh, right where the glory of God was, was the mercy seat. Right above uh, the mercy seat was the tangible glory. It's where we get the word Shekinah glory. You don't find that word in the Bible, but the Hebrew word Shekah means to dwell. So like David would say, he who dwells between the cherubim. Remember the Ark of the Covenant? There's two angels on either side, and then there's the mercy seat. And the high priest would come into the Holy of Holies once a year. Oh, man, are you thankful we're in the New Covenant and we live in the Holy Holies now? Come on, somebody. <laughs> we don't, no more, take me past the outer court. No, 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 no. I'm in the Holy of Holies now. Hallelujah. Come on. Man, you guys are really excited about that one, huh? No, no more old covenants that like we're, we're in his presence all the time. Well, come Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's already here. You know, you'll start experiencing him a lot more if you just believe he's everywhere. And just trust that even when you don't feel it. <laughs> he's here. We don't say, we, Lord, come in power. We manifest your manifest presence. But I don't even say, come Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's here, man. He's here. He's everywhere. The Bible's, it, like the, the, the historical church believes that he's filling all things, even the most dark and unholy things. The Spirit of God is permeating everything. Wow. Did you feel that? I did. Man, the Spirit of God is everywhere. I don't even remember what I was saying. I just want to talk about that now. Like we think like Old Testament believers, it's a framework. Come Holy Spirit, take me past the outer. No, no, man. We don't, we're in the Holy of Holies now. If we start believing what we have, we'll, we'll walk in greatness. If we start, why, why, why do we pray prayers that God can't answer? You know, like, the, the, this is a good one, right? Lord, just be with us. What do you mean just be with He can't answer that. He's already with you and he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's super glue, man. He ain't going nowhere. He's with you. And so we pray these prayers that not even God can answer. What do you mean God can't answer that prayer? Yeah, because it goes against his promise. Hello? Don't go to sleep on me now. I haven't even, I haven't even my preacher clock hasn't even, no, I'm just playing. <laughs> I've been preaching for a good 20, 25. But I really believe that God wants to teach us how to think. He wants to teach us how uh, not to remain in a mentality that paralyzes us from living out victory no matter the circumstance. See, it's in the revelation of, of that we are sons and daughters that we can say, you know what, there's a storm raging around me, but there's supernatural peace on the inside of me. Come on. There's, there's a revelation that says it doesn't matter what I'm facing. It looks like Goliath, but I am God's David for the hour, and I got five stones, a sling, and a staff, and I'm ready to take this giant down. Come on, somebody. You see, we forget who we are because we forget where we are. We're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you know that you're a son and a daughter of the living God? Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Well, that's not very biblical, Hello? You're not just a sinner saved by grace. You're a saint being transformed by grace. Paul never addressed the churches, even the church of Corinth, that wild Las Vegas type bunch. He never said, you sinners at the church of law. No, you, you're saints. 
to the saints. Why are we saints? Because Jesus is our sanctification. We trust in what he has accomplished. We can't walk in victory unless, unless we remember what he's done, unless we trust in what he's done. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Many of you are familiar with this. I love, I absolutely love the book of Hebrews was written to Christians to live the victorious life, written probably right before 70 AD, heavy persecution. Let me just encourage you that we don't have to be afraid of persecution. Actually, we might want to pray for it because when the church is persecuted, it grows. All throughout church history, heavy persecution, heavy growth every time. Oh, man, I just feel pressed. What did Paul say? I'm pressed but not crushed. I'm persecuted but not abandoned. Listen, if I feel pressed, I'm like, there's fresh oil coming because when you crush an olive, oil comes out. Come on, somebody. Crush me all you want. There's some, like, this is how, do you know that the fastest growing church in the world right now is in China Talk about a persecuted church. Try to have church over there, man. You can't even read the Bible. Like, they smuggle Bibles in. It's estimated 50 to 60,000 saints a day, people getting born again at one day. One day. Just let it sink in. Can you say the church is victorious? Do we forget who we are? Come on, we, got, we forgot who we were. We don't, we're not victims, we're victors. We're, we don't have to think that we can, we can think victoriously and live responsibly. We can live responsibly, church. Not blaming the devil, not blaming God, because not everything that happens is God's will. He doesn't exhaustively and meticulously control things. That's just not who he is. Let me just say it this way. God doesn't do control like we do. He doesn't do that. No, he does humility. And he yields and he gives his life. He pours out. It's called kinetic love in Philippians chapter 2. He pours out his divine nature. He empties himself. He, like a waterfall, he pours, like the giving tree. You remember that old book, The Giving Tree? Oh, he just gives himself. That's who God is. God, and, and we have a responsibility in the earth. Let me just say this. I'm going to read these two verses to you, and then I want to talk just a little bit about, uh, as, as we close, in Genesis, where God breathed into man, and he formed them from the dust of the earth, and he breathed into man. I want you to understand, when he commanded them to have dominion, be fruitful, multiply, subdue, the power to do those things came from the breath of his nostrils, Here's why I'm saying this is because we, we forget that the breath of God resides on the inside of us. And when we get knocked down, we, we, we just, we lay down. We're like, all right, Lord, but how many know? No, the Bible says, when I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Think about Jonah. Jonah flees from the presence of the Lord. Chapter one, it's the very thought. Chapter two, he prays in the belly of a well, a victim prayer. God, you drove me away from your presence. That's not what happened, Jonah. Hello? How many times have we done that? Oh, God, you're trying to teach me lessons. Like, God, no, I told you not to go down this road years ago, homie. Right? Yeah, let's live responsibly. Let's own, and let's not be quick to say, well, the Lord told me this, the Lord told me that. How about we discern what the will of God is and discern, and then we can look back and say, wow, that was a lot of fruit. And I should have listened to Sister So-and-So. God was talking, but it wasn't what I thought. It's actually what they, 
Have you ever experienced that before? And that sister's humble enough not to say, I told you so, but they could if they wanted to. Oh, man, the, the presumption. You know, in order for us to live victoriously, we have to die to that presumption. And so in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, I want to say this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance. Will you say perseverance? The race marked out for us, setting our eyes or fixing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. Come on. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. He's writing, the author of Hebrews is writing to a persecuted church saying, don't lose heart. Set your eyes on Jesus. There's a cloud of witnesses. Who is he talking about? All the heroes of faith in chapter 11. Do you know that there's a cloud of witnesses? There are people that have gone before us, reformers, saints, church fathers, and they are cheering you on in your purpose and in your calling. They are cheering Encounter Church on. Come on. This is what Travis was just sharing. All of heaven is behind you. Can you believe that? That actually heaven is pushing us forward in what we are created to do, and you are alive in the greatest time of the history of the church. And it's about time we wake up, we rise up, we start thinking like victors and stop thinking like victims. And that doesn't deny the reality that we might have been victimized, but it doesn't, uh, what it does is it empowers the reality. What Jesus did is enough for us to overcome, forgive, and walk in grace. And our heart becomes like the mercy seat, perpetual forgiveness flowing from us. There's nothing, I'm not going to let unforgiveness stop me. I'm not going to let, come on, I'm not going to let bitterness stop me. I'm not going to get bitter, I'm going to get better. Amen? I want you to stand up with me, I'm ready to close. I want you to just lift your hands right now. I want to pray for you, and I just want to release that that spirit of victory, the spirit of overcoming the, the reality that you're more than an overcomer. You're more than a conqueror. And so, Father, thank you for your people. I guess our worship team left. We don't have anybody here. We'll just, somebody play the shofar. Praise God. I'm kidding. So maybe if we could have one of our worship team run up here and jump on uh, an instrument. Yeah, come on, somebody. I'll do it right now. I'll just jump on that keyboard right now. Come on, somebody. I haven't done that in a while. I want you to lift your hands with me, would you? And, and I want to pray, listen, I want to pray that you, you recognize the love of Jesus has brought you out of the depths of pain, of hurt, of shame, and even circumstances where, you know, you could say, man, I, yeah, I was a victim to stuff, but you, you don't have to remain there. He brought you up and out. And I want to pray specifically. I really, really, really feel this right now. I want to pray for anyone in the room that feels like, man, community has hurt me. Whether it's church hurt, relationship hurt. And I want to pray God's cleansing and healing power. So it brings such a freedom to your mindset that your relationships are going to change. 
your understanding of the bride of Christ is going to change because the bride of Christ is glorious and also victorious and we're all a part of this thing. And all of heaven is behind us. And so we can't afford to do relationships wrong because it's all about relationship. Can you say amen? If there's anyone in this place, I want you to close your eyes with me if you would just for a moment. I want to pray and I want to spiritually wash the feet of anyone in this room that just feels like, man, you know what? Yeah, I've gone through some stuff. It might just be betrayal in a relationship or hurt or pain, uh, unforgiveness. And there's stuff that's you just want to lay at the altar. You want to lay at the feet of Jesus. And I really want you to know how significant and amazing you are. And some of you, like I was praying over Jordan, you are the answer to a former generation's prayer. And, and you're in a house, I'm prophesying to some people right now, you are in a family that will not reject the emerging anointed generation. We do things relationally, and anointing and character are both important. And, and some people here, you've, you felt like giving up on ministry. Let me just tell you something. That's something you'll deal with the rest of your life. But don't let hurt from someone else dictate how you think and your future. You can walk in victory. So if there's anybody here saying, yeah, I just, I want prayer for that healing. I'm ready to let it go. I want you to raise up your hand real quick. Anyone in this place, just lift your hand quickly. Healing, healing, healing. Wow. That's a lot more hands than I thought was going to go up. Um, Okay, I want you to, those of you that raise your hand, would you just come? Would you just come and like, and, and just sit up here on the rug and on the rugs and just, yeah, just kneel before the Lord. I'm gonna, I just wanna release the love of God over you. And I really believe that the, the reality of how valuable and significant you are is just gonna crash into you and you're gonna know how loved you are. It's already hitting some of you now. But I, I, I wanna, I want to, on behalf of other leadership, I want to ask forgiveness. That maybe some of you have been crushed by domineering a, a leadership. And it's not Jesus. It's not a representation of his heart. But right now I pray that in humility and in honor, I would have the privilege of being able to wash your feet spiritually and say, we're here to serve you and love you, not control you. Authority in the kingdom is not control. It's love and it's servanthood. Sometimes it's correction, protection, but love serves, love gives. Love does not prostitute people for their gifts either. And love doesn't just look at you and say, what can you do for this church? No, love says, who are you? And how can I call you forth in your destiny? Come on. And so I release a baptism of significance and love. Prayer team, can we just start laying hands on these people up here? Come on, Rochelle, leadership, just, just release right now the fire of his love in the name of Jesus. I, re, I rebuke all these, Lord, I command the spears and the wounds of uh, rejection and, and all these arrows that people, the words that have been spoken to these, we just, we break the power of every word spoken that's not from you, word curses, they're just not from God. Well, if you leave this church, you're not going to be blessed. That's a lie. We break the power of that lie right now. We don't believe that garbage. And so in Jesus' name, you're blessed, you're a son, and, and your heart willing to let go and willing to forgive is what, it's like taking the lid off so God can pour in healing. You're just releasing yourself. As you release that person, 
that bound them, that unforgiveness, you're unbinding yourself right now. So Father, thank you right now for total freedom. In Jesus' name, man, I'm just seeing like tears of freedom. Just receive it right now. Receive it right now. We're just going to take a minute and pray. Stretch your hands forward. Guys, those of you that are out here, would you just pray in the spirit right now and just release. There's breakthrough coming. There's healing. We receive you. We love you. We bless you right now. You are significant. You are significant. You are so special. We bless you. You are so loved by the Father. And Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in Jesus' name. Wow. We just embrace every person that's up here right now. And we call gifts to come alive and come forth. We want to we fire the gifts up. We don't want to quench them. We want to see who you are. Excuse me. We want to see who you are come fully alive. Fully alive in God. That's what you're created for. You're not a dead sacrifice. You're a living sacrifice. God wants you fully alive. And so we call the gifts forth that are inside you, every one of you, and we wash the feet of those who have been hurt. Man, Lord, forgive us as leaders for being insecure and being silly and trying to control. That's not your heart, God. We repent as leaders. We we repent as leaders, and we want to see a new value system invade and form in the church. It's not based on titles. It's not based on all the, all the value systems of the platform. And No, but it's about people and loving them and functioning in the gifts and calls that he's given us. So we bless him right now. Father, man, oh, Jesus, we release. <sighs> Every burden just being lifted. So many just tears of healing and freedom right now. I, I don't want one person to go untouched. So please, uh, leadership and prayer team, just lay hands. And as, as you're touching them, just release the fire of God's love. Just baptize them in, in how valuable they are, the reality. Just let them be immersed in the love of the Father right now. In the name of Jesus. Shh. We just release the love of the Father. Wow. Wow. You know, I don't like when people are domineered and controlled. It really bugs me. I don't like when people are forced to call people pastor and all that stuff. I don't like it. I don't like it. I, I think honor grows as we discover who we are in the Lord. We a value grows. And that happens through relationship and in being in the presence of God. And so if you've ever felt like honor was demanded from you, no more, no more. We come under you. We wash your feet. We give you a drink. We bless you. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you for that. Would you lift your hands with me and just thank him? Those of you that are up here, just keep receiving, but yeah, Father, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're doing. We bless you in the name of Jesus. Go ahead, keep some worship going on back there. Uh, it doesn't have to be instrumental. It can be a song. Be led by the Spirit. Uh, did, did we pray over Silvana? We're gonna, we got to do that, okay? So those of you that are up at the altar, you can stay right there. Matter of fact, there used to be a church that you are building in the afternoon. They're not anymore. So 
you can just glow right here in the afterglow. Come on, somebody, just soak in the presence of God. And why don't you come up, honey, and, and help me transition to that. Silvana, you can be seated, church. Just be seated for a minute. I want you to, we have like three minutes. We're going to just pray. Silvana, would you come up? This is Silvana. She is amazing. She's a world changer. And she is going to Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. Are you excited? Do you feel really honored to be there? You know what the Lord told me? And I'm just going to say this thing, and I'm going to hand it to my mic. Bethel is honored to have you there. No, you, you don't need, sis, you don't even know how big you are and what you carry. And so we're going to bless you. We're going to release you. And, and we want you to know that we're behind you. And would you guys pray for our sister? She's going up for at least a year, right? We're praying her back after a year. We just don't believe in, no. <laughs> Whatever the Lord leads you. But we're for you. We're behind you. Um, Savannah, Sarah, come up here. Get up here. What are you doing, man? Come on. This is like Sarah's best friend. I, honestly, you've been such a great friend to my daughter. And there's been such a powerful synergy of just life-givingness. Sarah, just put your hand on your friend. And so, honey, would you pray? And we're just going to send her out with a blessing. How many can say amen to that? Stretch your hands forward right now to our sister. Thank you, Lord. Savannah, just lift up your hands and receive. So um, in second service, when I was praying for you, I saw, um, I saw you walking towards the end of a cliff. And you were afraid to take the next step. But I felt like the Lord was saying, that's because you're stepping into the unknown. And um, don't be afraid to step into the unknown because he meets you where you are. And so we bless you. We bless the journey that you're going on. And we, we just uh, are so excited and we're behind you. This whole church is behind you, Silvana. And we're just praying for you, believing that God, what God has for you is so big you won't even be able to see the next step. You won't even be able to see the next step because it's so big. And we love you. And we know when you come back, it's just going to be even more amazing than when you are with us now. And we bless you in Jesus' name. You can support her too if you feel like pouring into her financially. Um, you can charismatic handshake. Just give her some cash, Pentecostal handshake. Or you can um, support her and... Um, go on her Facebook page and give directly to Bethel in her name and help her pay her tuition. But we love her. We're behind her. And we just, we're so thankful for this fiery, young revivalist that is going to change the nations, that is going to go places she never thought her feet would take her. And we're just so grateful that she's a part of this house. And we're so grateful that she, her heart is is just so fire for on fire for Jesus. And that is spread to every person she encounters. In Jesus' name, we bless you. Amen.